Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies every week. We get together, we've watched one, we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And coming up on this episode, we'll be discussing a vote winner from Patreon. Every month on patreon.com slash TV or $5 and up patrons get to vote between four movies. And the winner of last month's vote for this month was Cloverfield from 2008, which Tara had never seen before. So, exciting. I did see it in theaters, and I actually have a a perspective that I think goes along with that, because the build-up to the release was actually kind of notable, and I'll get into that in, in a bit why, but... Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to really spoil in Cloverfield beyond maybe the fate of certain characters or something like that. But it's it's not exactly a movie with plot twists and the things. A monster, a kaiju, shows up in New York City. But the gimmick here being that this is a found footage movie, and it just happens to be a kaiju attack going on around the city, as opposed to your typical found footage. You know, there's a ghost or there's zombies or whatever. At the time, it yeah, it's probably just the. The only thing I think of beforehand was Blair Witch Project. Yeah, well, it's worth mentioning that Paranormal Activity technically was before this, mm. but it wasn't released wide until after this, because Paranormal Activity started debuting at festivals in 2007, and this came out mm. in 2008. But it wasn't until 2009 that it kind of got a wide, everyone can go see it release. So right. if you were a festival goer in 2007, you may have already seen Paranormal Activity and thought, oh, another found footage movie. Uh, but if you hadn't, this was probably quite novel. And I was very curious coming back to this, having not seen it in over a decade, because let's face it, after this came out, there was definitely a period in time where I got really, really, really sick of found footage and really grew to hate most of them. <laughs> so I was fascinated. Yeah, but this one's Matt Reeves, right? So it's advantage there. <laughs> it's direct. Well, it's, it's got a couple of big advantages, potentially. Matt Reeves is directing who went on yeah. to do Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes and is doing the new Batman movie, for, for you know, all things considered. And then the writer of the movie is Drew Goddard, who wrote and directed, or co-wrote and directed Cabin in the Woods and went on to write and direct uh, The Bad Times at the El Royale, which was a really fun pulpy B-movie, I thought. So I like the, the, the creative forces behind this. Like, in hindsight, I look at these names and go, oh man, these two guys like went on to be really big deals to me. So it's kind of fascinating to go back to their, their not their break per se. I mean, Matt, it was the first thing Matt Reeves had done as far as I know, at least major movie wise. Drew Goddard, of course, was a writer on the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer in some of the later seasons. But uh, this is, you know, this is where I first saw his name in a movie as far as I know. So, um, yeah, I was fascinated to go back to this. Uh, and I'd forgotten like the cast that were in it. And there is actually a few names in here that I know. Uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, but yeah, I was very curious to see how I'd feel about this going back, and I'll go into what I felt at the time, and maybe how it's changed, and and whatever. But I think the more important thing to kick this off is the first time viewer and the first time experience of of Tara. Yeah, you might think it's odd that I didn't see it in theaters, but the reason was because I was uh, in another country. <laughs> it was like there's a three about a three year period where I really didn't see a lot of movies i wasn't and i wasn't demanding an explanation no, no one no one i just want to i just want to put that out there i, I don't think anyone's like accusing you of being a bad movie goer because there's a couple of movies you didn't see at the time 
Well, this definitely would have been something that I would have gone to see. I mean, a giant monster movie um, with a, you know, at the time, a cool gimmick. And uh, the poster's really cool. Mm. The, um, but uh, yeah, first time watch for me. Although I have seen 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, Which is fine, because they're, I mean, even though there's kind of a, a tangential, like, anthology style link, they are separate and right. entities they're not you know you don't have to see one to get the other in any order so <laughs> right so um i have seen clips of the of this film before mm. um but i like it like it's it's very good <laughs> i thought it's uh i don't watch as many terrible horror movies as you so i'm not that burnt out on like found footage mm-hmm. uh it tends to just be like a part of a movie and not the whole film that i've seen with notable exceptions like well, actually, I've never seen Blair Witch Project. Um, I always thought it was probably too scary, so I didn't go see it and <laughs> never caught up with it. Um, but I did see uh, Paranormal Activity and fair, the other be, films. To be fair, when Blair Witch came out, you were 13, so it probably didn't feel quite intimidating at the time. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for putting that out there. But... What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're worried that people do a bit of math and figure out where you are now? It's fine. <laughs> Because I mean, I guess the point I really want to make is that I was like just coming up for ten, and, and I saw yeah. Blair Witch. Because mm. I'm a I man, went, and I was I a man then. The, I went to the theater with my like <laughs> cool friend, and she was like, "Hey, let's sneak into Blair Witch." And I said, "No, like mostly not because it was too scary, but because there's no guarantee we're going to catch it at the beginning, and I'm not going to watch a movie like that started 20 minutes ago." And, I, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. So I went and saw whatever it was I was there to see, and like maybe half an hour later, she ended up coming back into the theater where I was, and she said, "I just watched the ending." <laughs> so she only watched the end anyway. She's dumb, um, but super edgy. Super edgy. Yes. Yeah, she was the cool one. Big horror movie fan. But you like um, you like Cloverfield, yeah. those you said. Yes, I do like it. I thought it was really, really, really good. Yeah, I, Joe, I, I liked it at the time for sure. Um, I, I don't think I loved it at the time. I think what made it special at the time is, and, and you have to kind of keep some perspective in mind here because J.J. Abrams produced this. He didn't write or direct it, but he did produce this. Yeah, and I remember that, his name being all over the promotional stuff. And that was notable at the time because this was right in the middle of Lost, and. That was part of the anticipation of the sh- of the movie because the way they marketed this was very unique. It was like full of AR games. They kind of didn't even reveal a title. Like we knew the code name was Cloverfield. So because when we actually watched the movie, there's not really any reason why it's called Cloverfield. I mean, really, and it's because it was the code word for a long, and they just used it. A lot of people thought the movie was just going to be titled with the, the release date because they just kept saying, you know, whatever the date was, it, mm-hmm. they came out. And that wasn't, you know, to be either, but it was it was treated with this sort of like viral, almost augmented reality game of people trying to figure out what the movie was, what it was about. And there was, and it kind of started to become clear there was a, a monster of some kind somewhere along the lines. And I remember a distinct period of a couple of months where the internet was convinced it was a Cthulhu movie. And that was super exciting. And it never turned out to be that, but there was a lot of like trying to guess. There was the mystery box of the market and was very effective because it was treating the like oh we can't show you any of the actual stuff of the movie and even the trailer was you know mostly just the people at the start or reacting to the first noises or whatever um 
and I, th I think the experience building up to it definitely added a lot to going to see it. Um, I have to say, watching it again now, um, I think it's fine for what it is, but it is completely unremarkable. And there's a lot of things that, with the passage of time and a lot more found footage movies, that I find myself also hating in Cloverfield. <laughs> and we will talk about what those things are. Um... There's certain tropes in, in found footage movies now that I am so sick of seeing because, like, 90% of them do it. That yeah. it just, like, I'm just, I'm done. I'm so, and it doesn't matter that this came before most of them. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter now. Like, I think Blair Witch holds, I think Blair Witch is the opposite, because Blair Witch was the opposite for me. I didn't like Blair Witch when I saw it as a kid. Going back to that a few years ago before the new one came out and watching it for Screams with Tim, mm -hmm. I, 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 like, found, like, a, a classic that I, I sort of, like, poo-pooed before. I was like, oh, this is actually amazing. I can see why this had the, the impact and the following that it did at the time. I didn't get it. I was probably just too young to really appreciate it, but it actually I, truly... I definitely rem remember the marketing for that one. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. it, it definitely felt uh, like, oh, I, I have overlooked this. It's actually very special and does a lot of things that I... I with, with almost no money, which is... And that's, that's the weird thing about Cloverfield, is that it's a found footage movie, but it has a budget because they're doing big you know, monsters, the kaiju size, they're doing explosions, buildings are falling over, there's all these things going on in the background. So there's there's still a budget. There's a, there's a little bit of leeway compared to most movies because the camera's very shaky and stuff, but they're still doing it. <laughs> there's there's mm -hmm. still all these big things happening. So it's a very weird thing where it's 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 both big budget, but it's trying to keep that, that sort of low budget found footage aesthetic. Uh, and I guess that's something else we talk about. So, um. But I, I do think it's went down for me over the years. And I think some of the core elements, uh, away from the found footage side, I'll just say it, the monster kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's, it's funny because I remember comparing, I've compared a few things to over time because I remember Super 8, which was an old J.J. Abrams thing, which actually mm -hmm. he directed. And I remember thinking the monster on that felt very Cloverfield-esque yeah. uh, when I saw it. Um, and I remember I, I brought up the Mutos and Godzilla feeling kind of Cloverfield-esque. And and I wasn't sure if I was misremembering that, but watching this again, I'm like, oh no, I can kind of see why I was saying that. Like, they're not obviously one to one. Why but can't Americans yes. make a good kaiju? That is an excellent question. <laughs> why can't we have a Godzilla that is comparable? <laughs> you know, we just can't. Why? Why can't we make one? It's and just most, not in our field. And the most successful <laughs> one is King Kong, and that's kind of lazy because it's just a, a really big ape. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's not actually really a design it's just big ape just a yeah. large so someone put, put, brought them into photoshop and just sort of went <laughs> and there you go i i mean i know we're capable of making good monsters we've got lots of good monsters but no good kaiju yeah you, got, you got alien predator you, you have good monsters of a normal great monsters even the yeah, universal size. monsters those are fun sure the I, I used to work in a in a like a music and DVD store and we had like like a toy section and I saw like that we had uh, a toy of the or the an action figure of the Cloverfield monster and I remember looking at it going this isn't good like it's not very scary like this is what it looks like because <laughs> you know in the trailers and stuff you couldn't see it of course they're hiding it from you I'm like this is kind of disappointing. <laughs> which may be one of the reasons why I waited to watch it because I knew mm. what the monster looked like and thought it looked bad. Can, can I, I want to just say my reaction to that story is that they made 
action figures of Cloverfield's monster. I didn't know I that. I think, uh, yeah, this was like maybe five or so years after the movie came out. I can't imagine who would buy a Cloverfield monster. Oh, well, we have action figures for everything here. I, I know, I, I know most things do, but like, I, I get why people buy an action figure of. I mean, almost anything else, but the Cloverfield monster? Yeah. <laughs> That's just baffling to me. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a store that was for movie fans and music fans, so we had just action figures, stuff for movies. Yeah. There's definitely stuff in it that I, I, I remember not being super fond of at the time, and one of those elements is TJ Miller, which is funny uh, in a sort of sad way, because it's actually become more of an issue because of how problematic he's turned out to be in real life on top of just how annoying his character is in the movie. Because I've always thought T.J. Miller was a bit annoying in movies for the most part. You know, he's not really bothered me. Like, I, he's got a unique voice, and uh, I really, really like Silicon Valley. Sure. Which is a show that he was a part of. I, I've never seen and, it, but I, I know people are... Like, and he was really funny in that. So it's it's difficult for me to, like, separate... Um, his character in that show from other characters in the movies because you know he sounds exactly the same he's a little less raspy in this movie maybe he plays that up a bit more because he knows that he gets more roles that way yeah yeah maybe but, like, um, he's, he's fine in like ready player one and stuff or um he was doing commercials here so you'd hear his voice on tv a lot i haven't remember him being in ready player one but uh, so here's, here's a little story i want to tell you because i before I brought this up, because I knew I was going to bring up like T.J. Miller's like real life stuff, uh, and how that adds yeah, to kind he's, of he's a weirdo, and how that adds to kind of like uh, especially since the first twenty minutes of this movie, I would describe as him spying on women at a party with the camera like a pervert, <laughs> right? But so I wanted to make sure I knew what I was referring because I remembered it, but it was kind of vague. I was like, oh, I remember the story from a couple of years ago when I went to his Wikipedia page just to sort of refresh my memory on what he'd been accused of exactly. There is a five-part category called legal disputes that all have their own headings. Here are the five headings of this. The first one is Uber assault incident. I don't even know about this, but that's yeah. something. Second one is sexual assault allegations, obviously even more serious. Third one is transphobic email allegations. The fourth one is the Amtrak bomb threat incident. I vaguely remember hearing about this. And then, that one, yeah, I very much remember. Right? That that was the one where I went, well, okay. Uh <laughs> He's getting dropped from everything. And then the fourth, the, sorry, the fifth one, uh, which sounds almost dull but compared to the rest of these, but it says work misconduct accusations. I just, I couldn't believe, I was expecting a section about the sexual assault stuff. I did not expect a five chapter, like, with subheadings over all the various things that he has either done or been accused of. And, and I don't want to get into any, any one of these. Like, I, this is not the place to talk about any of this in serious depth. But... Knowing these elements and having a vague understanding of them when you're watching the movie, and then because I had forgotten he was in this, so it was that moment where I heard his voice where I went, Wait, is that TJ Miller? <laughs> is he the camera guy in this? <laughs> and, um, yep, yep. And then for the first like 20 25 minutes that you know, for the opening party stuff, um, like he does just creep on people, you know, he's he's attracted to uh Lizzie Kaplan, who's one of the more recognizable faces in the movie. I don't uh, really know her from anything. Oh, I've I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, she was in Party Down, the TV show. She, she was in. I think she may have been in True Blood. I know that I watched a lot of that, but she, I think she was in that at one point. Um, yeah. She 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 she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, she's got a, a bit of a following. 
Um, the other actor that I noticed in this, which is kind of weird, uh, is Odette Annabelle, who plays Beth. Uh, she was one of the little girls in Kindergarten Cop. And the reason why I recognized her now when I didn't the first time I saw her is because she was on Supergirl a few years ago. And mm. it was kind of like a bit of trivia. Like, oh, hey, this is one of the kids from Kindergarten Cop. Uh, so this is her 10 years ago being the the love interest of the main character who he's desperate to try and get back to kind of thing. Um, so, Interesting. Yes. I, then, well, there's the one girl from the Evil Den remake that I recognized. Yes. yes uh, Jessica Lucas, uh, who's, who's actually got second billing, which honestly seems fair, uh, all things considered. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of your your cast. Um, I, I I think one of my problems with found footage is that they can't really build to their plot the same way that regular movies can, especially when you have something like this, where these are just regular people in the city, and it's the night where this kaiju shit starts happening, and it, you know ultimately all it can really be is like things start happening at a certain point, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I, conceptually, I completely get that. But one of the things that found footage as a as a subgenre has done is it's really detached me to the opening like twenty and sometimes up to forty minutes, depending on the movie we're we're talking about. Where it kind of feels that we're just spending time with bland or annoying people until the actual plot of the movie starts happening because they can't like tease it, they can't really build to it most of the time. The same way that a normal movie would either cut away to maybe the the, the villain threat coming or do it in a, another way whereas because it's found footage most of it's explaining okay why is this guy holding a camera why are they filming uh establish all the main characters and all these things and i, I was kind of feeling that watching this and it's not as bad as some other examples don't get me wrong it isn't but i couldn't help but go oh this is definitely a found footage movie with all the all the trappings that come with the found footage genre so I, I really, that first 20, 25 minutes, I really felt. I wonder if it's because I haven't seen it before, but I was, I don't know when to expect the monster to show up. Mm-hmm. So I was getting into like the relationship drama and, you know, the, the, the stuff with the friend who, and the brother, um, everything that's going on, like figuring out who these people are. Cause I know I know there's a mystery here, so I'm looking for clues already. I, I'm paying attention to like screens and stuff, and although it's not giving me anything at all, but I'm still very invested in everything that's happening in the opening twenty or so minutes of the movie. That's an interesting uh, point you make there. Is that maybe this is rewatch a rewatch problem where I know there's nothing until like the, it's like the twenty-two minute mark or something like that where the the blackout happens that kind of kickstarts everything really going on, and Maybe maybe it is a problem where when you don't know when it's going to happen, you're kind of just sort of waiting. You're like, oh, when's it going to when's it going to sort of creep in? When's something going mm-hmm. to happen? Maybe that adds to that opening section on a rewatch, because these characters are fairly plain and inter- they're not super in depth. I mean, the, the they're simple- all very much the same. Yeah, the setup of the movie. Well, this is this this falls into the problem that I've had with a lot of horror movies over the last couple of decades, is that they're so determined to not have archetypes for characters that they go too far in the other direction and they have they want to have realistic characters. So what they end up doing is creating a bunch of people who are just kind of normal and they don't stick out and they're kind of boring because these are just... I don't, they're just people at a party who are vaguely, mildly drunk and they're just... That's it. That, that's yeah. who they are. They and, definitely seem like normal... I mean, normal, extremely beautiful people, but like... 
normal yes. people. Yeah, the, the basic setup at the start of the movie, and the basic setup for the tape is because it tells you at the start that it was found on what was once known as Central Park. But I'll, I do like that statement. That, you know, it's found in the location once known as Central Park, so a really intriguing bit of information. Right, because then you don't know exactly how far in the future it is, too. That's true, yeah, it's very vague. <laughs> Uh, you know, this could be like 40 years later they discovered this this yeah. uh, tape. They kept saying tape. Would it's safe for re-entry? I, I'm not sure. Like, is, 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 Would it still be tape in 2000? I noticed the phones looking old. Like when, when they're on their mobile phones they look like old Nokia's Oh, it's definitely a, like a, a recorder with a tape in it. Like, right? I wasn't sure because uh, um, Lizzie Kaplan, uh, Marlena, I should use the character names, Marlena, she, she says, is there a card in that? And I thought she meant an SD card. Mm. But I don't know. It's it's right at the it's right at that point where it could be either because it's sort of transitioning. It's it's probably probably not though, right? Because he he records over something else, which you can oh, do you, on an SD. But like it cuts in and out from there, you're, so no, it's got to right. be something underneath it. Oh, you're right. It's probably a mini DV tape. It's probably a digital tape. Uh, that that may actually that makes sense. Yeah, because you're right. Because part of the conceit of the the movie is that we start off like a month before the actual events of the night, there's like a tape of our main character, Jason. No, not Jason. Rob. Why is Jason first on this list? That's weird. Rob is with uh, Lily, who's the, uh, the Annabelle character. Not Lily. Sorry. Beth. What? They're in such a weird order. Right, so yeah. Rob, <laughs> Rob and Beth. Rob and Beth uh, had a romantic night, and this is them waking up the morning after, and they're flirting, they're eating fruit, and they're talking about going to Coney Island and having a nice day. And the idea is, is that uh, Rob's brother, Jason, because Rob's leaving for Japan, and I thought the fact that he was going to Japan was a callback to Kaiju classics. I thought that was like a, a nod to Godzilla and yeah, other things like that. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> um, but he's got a job in Japan, so he's leaving. So they're throwing him a going away party. And they want, uh, the friend Lily, who's Jason's girlfriend, wants to have like a wedding style thing where every you know someone goes around with a camera and everyone like says goodbye so you can watch it later and it's like a sweet idea um but they're taping over this romantic day that he spent <laughs> with beth uh <laughs> which they then complicate matters as we learn that they weren't a couple uh they've been friends for a long time and this was kind of something that happened sort of on the eve of him because they already know like it's, it's very apparent later on he already knew he was leaving for Japan. He's already got the job at this point. And they've, they've had this yeah. romantic night. And he's not called her back since. They've been very standoffish. And she shows up to the party with this other guy. And it's all very awkward. And that, that's kind of the, the, the plot, like, through line of this first 20 minutes. Is we're all kind of revolving around that. And T.G. Miller won't shut up. Uh, is the other part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, the other characters also accuse him of never shutting up. So, I get that... I'm feeling the same thing as the other characters, which normally I would compliment, but there's a point where it doesn't matter because it's still annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't annoy me too much in this. It was I don't know. I, I obviously like he's a horrible person <laughs> in real life. Oh yeah, but... we're not talking about him as a parent. We're talking. I mean, I'm saying T.G. Miller. He, he was he's Hud. That's his name. Hud. Hud we're talking about yeah. Hud. Hud's annoying. I of all the characters, he's the most annoying. But like. They're all pretty much the same to me. They're bland. They're, they're I, just... I think maybe um, Rob is kind of annoying just because everybody's asking him questions and he just doesn't respond ever. <laughs> so just just tell him what you're just tell him what you're thinking. It'd be so easy, just to say like three words. Yeah. <laughs> um. That was frustrating. Honestly, even Marlena is kind of weirdly 
quiet a lot of the time. And I get why she's mm-hmm. quiet when uh, Hud's trying to like flirt or whatever that is he's doing. Yeah, he's trying to put some like moves on her and stuff, and you can tell she's just not interested. But but for the rest of the tolerating movie, tolerating him nicely. <laughs> yeah, but for the rest of the movie, when shit actually goes down, she's like kind of annoyingly just not really responding to anything either. Um, it it becomes this real lack of communication where almost like HUD almost just fills the void by talking and a- asking dumb questions to to fill time. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes a bit of a pattern to the point where I end up being kind of annoyed at all the characters for for not interacting <laughs> and communicating what they're doing and because because ultimately because yeah. ultimately the, the the premise of the film once things get going apart from the fact there's a kaiju is that Rob they, they're almost going to evacuate now admittedly the bridge gets taken out <laughs> so sp- sp- I guess spoilers from this point on yeah we're so, doing spoilers okay yeah we're doing spoilers <laughs> now uh, but from this point on like the bridge gets taken out and that's how Jason dies Jason's up further ahead um and he gets squished by a leg or whatever it is that comes out of the war again it's kind of hard to tell because it's very shaky and you know everything's mm-hmm. happening in swift motion but um it becomes about how they should just leave the city right now everyone's evacuating for obvious reasons but rob gets a phone call from beth who he had a fight with before she left the party he said something mean and now she's trapped in her apartment and he wants to get to her to save her so it becomes this we have to, i mean not even we just i have to go back and save her because i can't live with not doing that and that's well, like plus the whole thing with his brother like telling him to not be uh, like the like all these little problems don't aren't really that as big of a deal as you think they are because you're thinking like too big of a picture like, where in reality you should just hold on to the people that you love and you know if something big were to happen that's all that would matter and then of course something big happens mm-hmm. yeah um so he has to go back and that that's the through line it's the, the i have to go back for the cat i have to go back for newt i have to go back uh for uh the the the, the child uh that i mean i say child i'm, I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> the collector of all things but you, you get the alien and aliens uh, references before that yeah. um you know i was waiting for your alien three reference she doesn't have a thing to go back for and that's a miserable film with no heart <laughs> <laughs> so but you know that that you know, it's character one hundred and one. It's just the it's the reluctant hero, or not even reluctant, but just it's the hero one hundred and one. It's the person who's not really an action hero, but is going to put themselves in danger to save someone they care about, and that's supposed to make us sympathize with them. And that's fine in theory. Um, I I think for that we we probably needed to like care more about the relationship a little bit for that to really hit home. Um, mm. because I, I I do think it kind of feels like a little bit like just the skeleton of the idea as opposed to the actual execution of making me care about two people and then making me root for him to go save her as opposed to oh this is just the reason why he goes back kind of thing yeah i mean they try with the with the footage from before the incident happened Mm and uh there's i don't know how much you can do but then again like lajate made me do it and they just had pictures so i guess it's probably possible I think, yeah, I think it totally is possible. I mean, one of the things we found footage is the is the common complaint is why are they still recording? Why are they even bothering with the camera at this point? And I think this one is pretty guilty of it because oh, I definitely. mean, HUD does say a couple of times, "Oh, well, people are going to want to see how this all went down. I'm going to keep recording," but yeah. ultimately, it just kind of feels a little bit. There's a point where running for your life is going to be more important <laughs> than holding that camera. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although the so, camera did save him a couple of times. 
That's true. That's true. The night vision did come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the little, the little beasties. Uh, and I say little, they're like the size of like big dogs, but you know, little compared <laughs> to the big. You know, they're kind of like the shriekers and tremors too. Do you know? I don't really think they are. They're, they're more like spiders, but I had that thought too. But I think it's only because we just watched Tremors. We too. just watched it. <laughs> um, and it made me go, you know what? I think I was enjoying Tremors too a little bit more than I was. I'm um, Cloverfield. <laughs> and that movie was better than it should have been. But you know what that movie had? It had characters that that cracked jokes, but good jokes, <laughs> and they, they, they were there were movie characters, right? Where. These act these characters are not. They're trying desperately to have them not feel like movie characters, but in turn, I don't know if that works for your giant monster. Well, that's what you get movie. when you have it written by a Buffy the Vampire Slayer writer. <laughs> you're trying, you're trying, and you do, you know I can't. You know I can't go so far in defending it right now. We're in a bit of a sticky time period as far as defending <laughs> the behind the scenes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So you're you're prodding at things you know I can't. I can't uh, go all in on so well one for me yeah 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 um, I think this is I feel like this is like two creative first of all this is earlier in their career I think both of these creators get better with time and movies that they've made sure. better sense for sure but I think it's also the trappings of the subgenre they're doing here uh, to an extent um, yeah well yeah but one that they sort of created in a way like the tropes that we see in this were sort of you know, became tropes later on. That that is somewhat true, I, but I do even think this is taking a lot from Blair Witch. There, there's you know the, the the quiet period before things start happening, the way that it, the camera will catch certain like little moments that are important for us for character building, but the camera's not mm-hmm. really supposed to catch. Or when someone tells him he could turn the camera off, and he'll sort of just yeah, sure, I'm turning it off, and he just kind of holds it by his side so we can still hear <laughs> sure. the conversation. Stuff like that where. I guess what I'm saying is is that there's a lot of found footage movies and I really feel like in Cloverfield where I'm constantly feeling the contrivance of like all the moments because there's so many things that are supposed to be private. Like, you know, like for example, when Rob and Beth like go out to have a conversation and he wants to like basically confront her about bringing a date <laughs> to his going away party because that's weird. It's and kind of a dick move though. It, no, it is a dick move. It absolutely is a dick move. Uh, she was making a statement there for sure. Yeah. Like, I want to uh, make him mad. I'm going to make him mad right before he goes to Japan. <laughs> then he never sees me again. It's his punishment for not calling. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's supposed to be a private conversation. And, you know, then HUD kind of, like, peers out and tries to catch some of it. And then they catch him, fill him in, and they sort of yell at him. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And he sort of comes back in, and I think Lily pulls him in. He's like, no, give them privacy. And it's it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, this should be a private scene. This should be something between just these two characters. And in any other movie, we would just have a scene with these two characters having their private moment together. But we can't do mm-hmm. that in this because we have the convoluted device, the, the in-universe yeah. camera that has to be adhered to. So right. HUD, by nature, has to be an intrusive dickbag the entire movie, or at least for the first like half hour, where he's he's sort of like spreading rumors and he's listening to things he's not supposed to. All for the purpose of having us yeah. hear things so that we know stuff about the characters in theory but, so we can care. We also know that it's that Rob is his best friend. So, and he's, True. you know, he knows the the girl that he's talking to also. And then it's, it, he, he should have genuine concern when, you know, they're storming off together and he's upset. Mm. 
I I don't know. Like it doesn't bother me as much, but I I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, no, it's just, it's just. I mean, part of this, like I, I think I felt some of this the first time I watched it, but I was so into like, okay, when's the monster going to attack? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, where's it? When's this stuff going to like go kick off? But I I do genuinely think like another decade and a half of found footage movies. And it's not that there's no good ones. Like, I recommend Creep. I recommend uh, Wreck, which was actually also before this. Wreck was 2007, uh, I should point out. Um, but I've seen Creep. I didn't see Wreck. Yeah. Re- Wreck's well worth watching. Uh, Wreck, one and, Wreck 1 and 2 VHS. are really good to par. You saw Viet... That's an anthology, yeah. Of yeah. Various it's not that footage, though. Well, that was his gimmick, yeah. It was like a t- box of VHS tapes. Yeah. It's all right. Each one with a different... I remember, yeah, well, I think one or two of the stories were pretty good. A couple were bad, a couple were mediocre. You know, it was the usual mixed bag you get with a, an anthology, yeah. I think. Yeah. But I, I do genuinely think that seeing other found footage movies and, like, there's such a formula and there's such a... Like, I became... And it's very early on that I became very, very, very passionately, like, heated towards the way they always end because they all end the same way all of them yeah the characters get killed the camera is lies there i mean i suppose and fair to this it does immediately turn off it doesn't do the thing where it's lying there for another minute and catches like the villain or whatever doing something <laughs> but otherwise it's still the same thing the characters die yeah. and the camera's left there um the monster doesn't eat the camera at the end yes um it, it's funny because I remember when I saw Unfriended and I thought this is going to be stupid and I was pleasantly surprised with how well they used the, the mechanics and how they portrayed the story through the screen of a computer. And I thought, they yeah. should never do this again. This was a one-hit wonder. They can't achieve this again. And then the second one actually ended up being surprisingly not bad as well. So I actually think the... I enjoyed la- Host. And Host as well, yeah. I think the computer screen found footage genre is actually more versatile <laughs> than the actual found footage <laughs> genre in a lot of ways. Well, it's not overdone yet, also. It's, that's also true. There's only been a few examples. But, like, found footage, like, very quickly, you start to see a pattern form in how they operate. Um, because they all want their characters to feel more realistic, so they all end up being bland. Or, even worse than that, they might end up being annoying. Because I, I remember seeing um, The Last Exorcist, or Last Exorcism, maybe it was called. Uh, and that was, like, 2010. So it was only two years after this. So it wasn't that much later. And I, I was already so sick of the way that the film footage movies ended that I remember being so livid because I was actually kind of enjoying that movie. And then the ending had to go and just be generic as shit. Um, so it didn't take long. It didn't take long for that to sink in. That's not the one where it just like ended and there was definitely still more movie that should have been made. No, 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 no. We, we've had this exact conversation before because you've asked me that question before. You're thinking I of have. the devil inside, maybe? Yeah, okay. I rented a movie like that and it was. <laughs> it just sort of ended and I'm like, wait, where's the rest of the movie? It, no, it, it, it tells you to go to a website. That, that's that's yeah. why. Because I've not seen it, okay. but I've heard this. I heard that it tells you at the end, go to WW Blubber for the conclusion. Like, what? I don't think I've asked you that question before. <laughs> you totally have. We've had. Maybe it was Connor, but someone asked me that before. We've had this. <laughs> No, The Last Exorcist, if I'm remembering the title right, was um, the actor from Better Call Saul, who I didn't know at the time, but I know him now from Better Call Saul. Um, he is like a, 
an exorcist, but it's all a scam. In the first, like, ten minutes, he shows that this is all bullshit. He goes and makes money from a bunch of deluded religious idiots, and... He, I think I've seen this movie, actually. And he, he like, there's a great bit at the start where he talks about how I can go in there and preach about anything, and I can get them revved up. You know what? I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to preach to them about my grandmother's recipe for lemon pie or something like that. And he goes in and he starts reading the ingredients and he gets them all to basically start going, oh, you yeah, lemon pie. And he sort of gives the, he just looks at the camera and sort of goes like, yeah, see, what'd I tell you? They're gullible shits. <laughs> and obviously the point of the movie is that he gets a case where it might actually be real because it's a horror sure. movie. But yeah. the movie was actually pretty good up until the last like 10 minutes where they had to do the generic hit. They had to do the, the exact thing that I thought. This movie has balls if it ends right now. And I, I remember thinking that when I saw it in theaters, like 10 minutes from the end. And mm-hmm. then the last 10 minutes just had to be like, oh no, it's actually all completely real. And oh, here's the ending that every found footage movie has at the end. Not to spoil it too much, but. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, you brought up zombie movies and I haven't watched a lot of them, but I know it's not a found footage movie, but uh, Dawn of the Dead remake has that tag during the credits where it is mm-hmm. found footage and it does end the same way also it where does. it's kind of like well, it's kind of disappointing <laughs> I, I know this is supposed to be kind of comical but it's, it's kind of funny how it only has that know. one mid credit scene in, fo- in found footage style and it still ends the same way as every found footage movie <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're spoiling a lot of yeah. stuff aren't we I mean, I, I, I say spoiler every... section <laughs> I, I say every phone footage, the vast majority of phone footage. Someone's going to give me an example, but most of them end the same way. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, even all the Paranormal Activity movies, mm-hmm. they sort of have the same thing at the end. Yep. Uh, and I, I think it shows how limited the <laughs> subgenre actually kind of is, even though I do agree that if you put it into a different subgenre, and I know what I'm, I'm, I'm putting subgenre in twice here, but you can have multiple subgenres. So... There, there is an appeal to saying, and I, and I do think this movie had potential and has more potential than it actually has, in the sense that yeah, a found footage movie in a kaiju film is kind of interesting. In the same way that a troll hunter is found footage, but it's hunting mm-hmm. well trolls, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's it's following a guy who's Troll. hunting trolls. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, this is really different. What what you know, how do they, how are they going to pull I, this off? I do like the like the the glimpses of the kaiju that you get because you're constantly like hungry for more like oh i just saw like a leg or something and, yeah, yeah yeah a little bit or a here foot, or there. and i i love that stuff um much like the 2014 godzilla like i love that stuff <laughs> but um overall the 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 kaiju of course is disappointing but um that part of the movie i think is done really well i think this i think a lot of the tropes that you're upset about um also it's just the result of it being a blockbuster like summer blockbuster movie where you have to like shoehorn this other story in in order to get people to be invested if it's too realistic and too much like a found footage an actual found footage then you run the risk of it being um not not a a popcorn movie yeah Um, i think a mainstream audience this is not really to correct anything because it absolutely is a blockbuster. Like everything you said there is right, but it came out in like February, if I remember right. Okay. <laughs> but but it doesn't really matter. I don't know. It's still kind of. I was of living is. on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I just yeah I, I honestly I, I remember feeling kind of an apathy towards the characters the first time, but still kind of enjoying the build up and the mystery. This time being so far removed from the build up to the film and 
knowing when things were coming and knowing we're going to spend this section in the middle in the tunnels of the subway system and knowing we're then going to have like these other moments um i felt probably even more apathy towards everything in this uh and i think when i don't like the monster that much uh when i don't find myself liking the characters that much um ultimately like i, I wouldn't say it's like bad i wouldn't say that there's like it's doing anything super poorly but when you add up the contrivances of the found footage not liking the monster not really giving a shit about any of the characters like are you surprised that i'm not that like you know warm to it <laughs> like that i'm kind of you know just like eh. yeah i don't know the um it's a first time watch for me so i got into the ride and when the deaths happened i were i was surprised there were some moments where i laughed at <laughs> that i thought were pretty funny um there's uh there's some surprises that happen also uh the the little guys like bite somebody and they become infected with a thing yeah whenever, <laughs> we never get a full context it's actually one of my favorite little details in the film is that we never get full context for what that is we just yeah. when when the because uh, they're at like a medical like army base at this point they're like a makeshift base in one of the the malls or whatever it is and when someone notices the bite they just yell out we've got a bite and they never explain what it is but you know from they the just way she rush her into quarantine but you know yeah. from the way she says it that that means something to them like yeah. that get, being bit by one of those things is bad news we and we don't really see anything we see like you know behind a curtain we see her like cough up tons of blood or something like that and it, it implies very heavily that she's just died for whatever's happened but uh, you know like i kind of like that it, it sort of it gives us the idea that these other characters know what this yeah. is they know well, they don't know what it is but they know what it means they know that she's definitely dead and they, they can't have her spit this up over anyone else maybe or something is contagious right whatever it may be, but it means something to them, and you get that from that one line. And I think that's where, the, like, the movie should have went further with. Like, one of my favourite things about the, uh, the the box storytelling, not the mystery box, but the, like, when you talk about um, a bottle story or a bottle movie, one of the things I love is when you can actually infer lots about the surrounding world based on the little things, the characters, and how, how they talk about things tells you a lot about how the world is on the outside. Yeah. And I feel like if there was more little things like that between the military or people in the know or maybe the newscasters or something that instead of just I don't know hyping up the destruction or talking about how it's dangerous and you have to get out if there were just little more lines like that where oh we're getting a picture of something bigger here based mm -hmm. on little snippets because we can see how they're saying things we can see how they're looking at each other we can see these things but still have it from the, 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 you know, the perspective of the characters who are just running around and are civilians and don't know anything. Like, I, I think there's more to do with that. Um, and I feel bad, I feel bad kind of like tearing it apart a little bit. Uh, and it's not even tearing it apart. It's just, it, it's, it's just, I don't think it goes far enough in anything. And then all the things that I don't like about it just kind of compound. And then I'm like, it's okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I understand. The, um, what I do really love about that scene is... <laughs> when they first go into it and somebody says we got another bite and then they they <laughs> they they put the guy the guys on the stretcher that they're rolling over like his whole torso is torn open like and that's where i realized okay the bite means something mm -hmm. because why would they put a guy like that on a stretcher since he's obviously dead oh he's very dead yeah which <laughs> made me laugh but then maybe go, oh, okay, there's something going on with the bites. And was, then, you know, immediately follows up with, uh, with, um, Elena. Running. 
Marlena? Marlena. Uh, no, it's Marlena, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like Marlena Daytrick, I think. Diamond. Yeah. Marlena Diamond. Right, Marlena Daytrick so, is like a famous actress okay. from like the 40s, 30s and 40s, I think. What a wild ride that was. I was just trying to get this character's name right. Um, so, <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I remembered it. Like, okay, like Marlena Daytrick. Um, yeah, I... Um, I think one of the other problems with the characters as well is that, so Beth is the, you know, the the beautiful, like, must-have wife of the main character, right? And he's in love with her so much, and he's, he regrets what he said to her, that he has to get back to her at all costs. And that's, like, them traveling to the city when it's dangerous. And But we spend, like, you know, most of the movie trying to get to her, and, you know, they have a fairly impressive set piece, which is, like, one building's kind of, like, mm-hmm. like her building in particular... Her apartment building is like toppled over and it's leaning against the, the next building. And they you know, they have to like cross from one onto the roof of the, the one that's tipped over and then they have to get into her and she's got like a piece of metal stuck through her shoulder and they have to like pull that out and whatever. Um I think the weird thing to me, especially when you look at the structure of the movie, is that right after they get out of that building is when they almost immediately run into the helicopters that are going to take them away. But then, you know, the monster attacks and they, they crash in Central Park. And then we have this, you know, dramatic ending of them saying they love each other under the bridge uh, right before the bomb. Or the bomb actually just goes off first and then they say that just before presumably like, the rubble's going to like suffocate them and they're going to die or, or whatever. And I'm like, you spent all this movie to get to her. She was this sort of, I feel it's cruel to call her a MacGuffin, but... She, she was this plot device for the whole movie to drive everything in the character motivations going forward. And we finally get to her, and I feel like we barely hear her say, like, maybe three words of dialogue before the dramatic ending where they, they die together. And it kind of almost, like, exposed just how much of a plot device ultimately this relationship and her character in particular is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it kind of, like, shone a, shone a light on it for me that kind of... I don't know. Like, and I think that was, this is one of these things where I think it was worse for me in a rewatch because I knew that this was coming. I, I knew how little there was once they got to her and how quickly they were just going to die right after. Uh, yeah, I wonder why they can't have a happy ending. I don't know. Well, Lily's the only one who does because I, I think her... I mean, we don't see her helicopter get knocked down because she gets taken uh, by a separate see, one. I think we did see it, the helicopter get knocked. Oh, did down. we? Well, we see a helicopter crash into a building. Okay, so maybe that was hers. Because I, I was like, you know, because she actually is maybe the most likable character out of the entire bunch. She cares about that dumb boyfriend of hers, you know, uh, Thing's brother. Thingy's brother. Jason. Rob's brother. Jason, yeah. She cares about him. She cares about Rob. She cares about Marlene, uh, Marlena. Like, she, she, mm-hmm. she's, the, she's the most level-headed and likable one of the whole bunch. She's the only one that doesn't feel like she's constantly withholding information uh, once chaos starts happening. So yeah. I, I was willing to be like, oh, at least she got out. At least the one person got to survive and have a happy ending. I don't ending. think she did. <laughs> well, that's upsetting because uh, this movie's just miserable then and no one survives. Well, maybe she did. Maybe I. Maybe it wasn't a helicopter that crashed. Maybe. Yeah, there's so much chaos. <laughs> and this is the thing. I, I, I love horror movies. I love slasher movies. I love all sorts of horror movies. And a lot of the ones I love don't have great characters and they don't have big character arcs. They... But they survive on the fun element that's there. And I do think there's good scenes in this. Like, the, the, when the blackout first happens and then they go down into the street and the, you know, the, the, the Empire 
uh, sorry, the Statue of Liberty head uh, comes down the street and like the moment where they run into the store, the convenience store, and they're in the back and it's like completely mm-hmm. dark and we can just see the silhouettes of like what's coming through the window based yeah. on the light from the outside. That's a really good little tense moment. Yeah. Um, and then sort of the chaotic feeling afterwards. I also think the other, the other moment I really like is when they're walking down a street and then all of a sudden there's just like a rocket goes over their head and the monster's yeah. there and I the really military's yeah the military's just around them firing they're just and caught in the crossfire of like the tanks and we get the yeah you know, it's sort of building the big picture of what's going on like what yeah. what the outside world is take, doing to take care of this problem yeah and they can't hear each other because i think rob's because because uh hud gets separated from the other three and he's like, across the road and they're trying to yell, and we can see them saying subway, but we can't hear it. Like no one can. It's just too much gunfire and explosions yeah. and shit. There's, you know, you can't hear a damn thing. Uh, and I think that that, that scene, and then the, the probably the first couple of scenes once the lights go out and the the, the immediate sort of five minutes or so that happens at that point. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two sections that I still really like, and I think are really yeah, well totally. done and well directed as well. Um, but damn, I just I, I find myself not giving a shit about the characters of the movie. I mean, I'm I'm thankful that it's 85 minutes. I I can't imagine this being stretched out further, uh, unless it was to actually add better character stuff and like, I don't know, make me actually care about the core relationship, make me care a little bit at the end, give them more time, try to survive, or a hope that they might survive, or or something. Uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to have had some them survive at the end after all that. Um, but it is sort of a trope of the time also, just this, um, pessimistic ending, world ending event. I mean, I don't make them necessarily dying at the end, but like, give me, like, they, they hinged it entirely on them saying they love each other before they die, as if I'm mm-hmm. going to care about that, right? Based on what they showed me. But, you know, he picks up the camera to sort of leave this, like, last statement, because he realizes they're probably about to die. Uh, like, if uh, someone finds this, you know, the Central Park, you probably know more than I do at this point, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and all, all I could kind of feel is like, I don't really buy that you're at this point. And I, I, I think it's because if the character... I, I thought that too. Yeah. If the character, let's say the character throughout the film kept being, I don't know, not delusional, but very, he refused to accept defeat. And he kept, he kept refusing to accept defeat the whole movie. And then... This was a big moment for him as a character because this is the moment where he... Because if we see him sort of essentially give up and say, okay, we're just screwed and I'm going to sort of leave a, a, a final taste, you know, statement for my mother or whoever. If, if we had that turn, if it felt like a turning point for him where he finally accepted that he was doomed, mm-hmm. it may have some weight behind it and it may actually feel like a really impactful little moment where he starts making this speech. But it just kind of feels like you know, you've been through so much shit tonight that honestly, I don't see why you feel any more like in danger now than you did an hour ago. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, know. Maybe he knows it's hopeless because he knows the bombs are coming if they couldn't get out yeah. of the island through the helicopter. Um, I think it's just it's a it's a bummer because you know he lost his brother, he lost his friend, and they were all. It, it was all to to get to beth to to rescue beth and he gets to her even though she's injured he saves her they get out of all these predicaments together mm-hmm. and then at the end it's just like he he didn't really get to save her like she got a few more yeah. moments and he got to redeem his you know 
dickish thing that he said to her so that he had some closure. But that's kind of um, selfish because he got people killed just so he just so he could say sorry for the the bad thing he said. Right. <laughs> to to get rid of his guilt, he actually got Sarah. I mean, his brother was going to die anyway, probably because he was like they were trying to evacuate at that moment, and his brother right. was on the bridge. So, yeah. so that's fair enough. But like, there's a chance that the others might have all survived had he just accepted that they should evacuate. You know, when when you know after that, like whatever the plan would have been next, they could have maybe things would have been different. He got them all killed. <laughs> yep. I mean they all they all volunteered to go. Yes. Yes. But because it, Well, cause just like the party at the start, they all want to throw him this going away party because they all care about him. Uh except Marlena, yeah. who doesn't really know him. <laughs> but um you know, they all do this for him and all what, what did they get for it in return? Uh at the party they get Mopey ass uh <laughs> Rob and then afterwards what did they get? They all get murdered by a monster. <laughs> For helping so him. Selfish. Yeah. Basically, I'm saying Rob is toxic and Rob is the problem in this movie. Rob's the real monster. It's not man's the real monster. It's Rob who's the real monster. <laughs> and I, I mean, I agree with the scene at the end when he's holding the camera. Maybe it's just an acting thing. I just mm. wasn't really convinced by his statement. I just don't think they earned it. They didn't earn me caring about him so that when he starts making a final statement, I would give a shit. Like, I just, like, that, this calls for me to really care about this character that they are mm-hmm. doing this that he's saying this um uh and then he turns the camera to the uh, to beth and she's like oh, i don't know what to say i don't know what to say and then boom. she's just crying <laughs> and then boom <laughs> like that's the end of the movie it's very unsatisfying it's very unfulfilling and i get that maybe that's kind of the point is that it's a stark sudden ending because it's found footage and you could die at any time if you were in this situation and they want to make a statement with that but mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to sort of have like a line between why certain things are done in a movie <laughs> versus what's realistic. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because um, one of the things I love about when, you know, there's a bottle movie where everyone's set, set in one location or in one room even is that I love the inventiveness of like, how do we write an entire movie that's compelling and goes up and down and has an arc and all these things in one location how do we do that Mm -hmm. and it it encourages so much inventiveness and i feel like found footage in theory should do the same thing where it's okay we have this constraint where there's a lot of normal things we can't do that we'd normally do in a movie so how do we tell a story with that as a in place how do we work around that how do we tell a satisfying story with that and i feel like most of them uh don't do it properly They, they just have these contrived things and um i think honestly blair witch like still holds up and it it's not really been bested uh although i do love wreck and i love creep and creep's a very different thing because creep you know there's more uh, of a yeah, reason i enjoyed that one too and yeah. it is different yeah you know that's about a, a crazy serial killer who pays someone to film and document his life he wants someone to make a documentary about him um and sort of becomes obsessed with them and that goes from there but it's, it's very different there's a reason and it, it, you know it keeps going uh, mm-hmm. Likewise, in Wreck, you know the the camera person is an actual camera person who's filming, like a, a not a documentary. It's kind of a documentary. It's like they're doing something for the fire department and like sort of what what do you what do they do in the middle of the night kind of thing. And once it goes down, the reporter's like, "No, keep rolling that camera because like you know this is my break. <laughs> like I like I'll get I'll get like awards for like capturing all this shit and reporting on it as this all goes down." Uh, is it a zombie movie? Yes, yeah, a zombie movie. Yeah, but there is a bit of a twist on the zombie formula 
with okay. that. Okay. Maybe I'll add it to my Halloween watch list. You should. One and two make a really good double feature. Because two, two does the Halloween thing where it's it's the same night. It just continues. Hmm. It's a really, really neat uh, little trick. And it also shakes up the gimmick a little bit by having multiple cameras. Still found footage. But, like, it it's, it's effectively sends in, like, a SWAT team into the location. And they all have cameras on. So we actually switch between cameras and stuff like that. So. I wonder if this movie was inspired by the the book World War Z, because I know the, the movie came out much later. But the uh, the the book, I re- oh, God, it's been so long since I read it. But I remember there being like a bridge scene that was kind of similar on uh, in the book, and, and the book was written in a way of like kind of like Dracula, where it's mm. it's like found documents, <laughs> recordings, <laughs> and sure. stuff like that that had been put in there. Yeah, we thought World War Z. World War Z is I feel like I, that is a very forgettable movie but I will say my favorite part or my favorite section of that movie was the, the last like half hour which was the most normal zombie movie part of it where the rest of it was all the big apocalypse. Were they all in that one big building? It's like a lab yeah. Yeah. It, it was more like the end of a Resident Evil game because they were in a lab stuck with zombies and they were trying <laughs> to like sneak around them but. Good thing they had Pepsi though to but, keep them nice and refreshed. Yeah yeah. But no, but I, I think it just proves that certain concepts work better on a smaller scale. Like the, the second you show me an army of zombies like forming a mountain, and it's like this CG mountain of zombies, I'm just like, this isn't scary anymore. It's just kind of silly. <laughs> or, yeah, you know, no, I, I, I agree. I just as a disconnect from it at that point. Um, but the, I mean, the, when that book came out, it was like zombies were just on the rise of popularity, and. I think maybe that had some inspiration for this movie. Just the uh, style of it. It very, very well could have. Um, I think it's a bunch of things. I think this was the era that was obsessed with, like, you know, even all the the, the war movies post 9-11. They, they were all great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it is post 9-11, New York City with buildings falling down, people covered in dust, not knowing what's going on. Like, yeah. 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 And I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not sad we're out of this trend or this phase of and not, not that everything that had that great style was bad you know i liked some of the movies that came out of that era but uh well yeah we reviewed um what what movie was it war of the worlds the remake mm-hmm. and that was very much a post 9-11 movie that took like from was inspired by real events yeah <clears throat> a, a lot of movies were doing that around that time and i and for some movies it works. For some movies it works. I, mean, I think for the war stuff like Black Hawk Down or... I mean, that was kind of... That was out in 2001, so it probably wasn't inspired or like anything. But it certainly... No. It, but it felt like that contributed a lot to what a lot of other movies were trying to do post that. Yeah, and that movie was... Yeah, an experience in the theatre for sure. And there were a lot of copycats. Yeah, I never, I never saw that in theatres. Uh, probably because I was... I don't want to see an American war movie. <laughs> no, it's because I was like 12. I'm pretty sure I couldn't go to see it if I wanted to. <laughs> it was Ridley Scott, so maybe you did want to. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's, um, it's, a weird th- it's a weird thing that there's a lot of things from the 2000s, and some of it's in this, that I am very glad we've kind of moved on from as far as trends in cinema go. And... I think some trends you look back on, you have some nostalgia for, and you're like, oh, it's a shame we don't get this occasionally still. But I think 
you, you add up everything I've already said, which is the found footage tropes, right? Even if they weren't completely mm-hmm. all tropes at the time, it doesn't change the fact that they are still the same things that happen later. Um, sure. You have the bland, fairly... They're not hate... You know, I don't hate the characters. They're just unlikable. Like, you know, they're very apathetic, right? And then you have shitty monster design that doesn't really inspire me. And then you add in, on top of that, the, the gritty, real kind of feeling they want you to have of people running around in New York. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, don't, I think that's probably the best part of the movie, actually, is some of the, the, <laughs> yeah, the action scenes. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is. Um, but I'm just sort of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say here, to be honest. <laughs> I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten to the end of this little list. Just more that it's like another pillar of what the movie is. Um, and I'm glad it exists because I'm glad that these creators, I'm glad that Matt Reeves and Drew Goddard got went on to make much better movies. Which very much looking forward to reviewing the next Planet of the Apes movies. <laughs> yes, oh, we have to do the Tim Burton one first though, so don't get your hopes up too much yet. Well, it's nice to set the bar real low. <laughs> but you know, I love Cabin in the Woods. I really enjoyed Bad Terms at El Real, you know, from the Drew Goddard side, and then obviously from Matt Reeves, the, the the Apes movies. I'm looking forward to Batman. Let Me In was a solid remake, but it's kind of like this weird, like, I still rather watch the original, so <laughs> I don't necessarily want to watch it again, but it was well done. Like, it wasn't like he mm-hmm. did a bad job. It's just, you know, there are more interesting things uh, for him in the pipeline. And so, yeah. I have to say, I'm I'm kind of saddened that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't remember this that fondly in the way that I I I felt like I I never really had much of a desire to watch it again, and maybe it's because I knew that some of the effect of it was a first time watch thing. But I will say this: any great movie can be watched any number of times. It doesn't matter if you've seen it before. It doesn't matter if you know the twist. It doesn't matter if you know where it's going. The story is still going to be satisfying because things have weight and because the story set up properly that the moments at the end, no matter how sad or tragic or whatever they may be, will still work. And I think the ending of this feeling so deflating as it is, is because it didn't earn enough to make me care about the characters. So it just kind of goes, oh, that's it. It's over. Okay. <laughs> I'll move on with my life then. So I think it is a very big indictment to say it only works on a first time viewing because... I don't think there's such a thing as a great movie that only works in a first-time viewing. Great movies will work the second time, the third time, and the really great ones will get better the more times you see them. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking I was going to be this harsh, but I've, I've sounded quite harsh talking about this, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, the charm's Maybe gone. think about some of the things you liked in the movie. I told you, those two scenes. <laughs> Just two scenes. <laughs> those, those two scenes are really good. I like and the scene in the mall a lot. I, I think the scene that I don't... Right, yeah. The scene that in in the movie where I found myself going... Uh, getting a little bit bored. And when things started to happen, like I was moderately interested, was the subway stuff. But, I mean, the movie does just sort of halt purposely so. It's, 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 uh, that's the video game uh, formula. The middle section's always in the tunnels and the sewers, and everyone always hates the sewer section. Everyone <laughs> always hates the sewer section. Um, I know, you have to, like, compromise if you're going to use your gun or your flashlight. <laughs> I mean, well, they kind of still, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not the first time they did it, but it's kind of a 28 days later thing, the rats all running away from something, and then them being mm-hmm. like, oh shit, something's coming, run. Um, 
I, I don't think it helps that, much like the big creature, I don't really like the design of the the spidery ones that much. Yeah, the spidey, spidey shriekers. Yeah, because they are, they're just kind of like alien spiders. That's just basically what they are. There's, yep. there's nothing super interesting about the design. Um, but were you noticing the product placement as much as I was in this? I noticed the Sephora. Uh, I noticed the Nokia. Uh yeah, I, there also it same as the the war. There was the uh, the Mountain Dew next to it, and there was even Mountain mm-hmm. Dew on the table. There was a lot of times where it felt like it just like, conveniently the you know the billboard or the poster in the background was just in frame, nice and long. Yeah, there was a lot of Nokia. Remember Nokia? I do remember Nokia. <laughs> I love that you see when they're filming in the party. Even you see the little the little Nokia phone. Yeah. With I'll the be- camera on it, like, oh yeah, they didn't have smartphones, but this phone has a cool camera setting where mm. you can film your friends from your phone. Yes. <laughs> and also, it comes in pink. I don't know which one of us is right, but uh, I do love that you say uh, Nokia mm. and not Nokia, which is what everyone yeah. here says. <laughs> Nokia. N-O spells no. <laughs> Solid logic, I suppose. I can't really argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I liked it more. Because I like kaiju shit. I, I think there's potential in a found footage kaiju movie. It, there's a, it's definitely an Because one of the things that I like about Signs, and I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm praising a, a Shyamalan movie that's after the first two, which is scary. Yeah, I love, I love Signs, yeah. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy Signs still. I, I just think, still think it's a really good movie. And. Um, I think one of the things that I like about that movie is that it is the perspective of an alien invasion from a family in a random farmhouse. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're not, it's not Independence Day. We're not with the military. We're not with the president making decisions about what to do. We are just following the experience of this family and what they encounter during this time. Um, and I, I will I, never, ever, ever forget how high I jumped that scene on the TV with the the news when you first see the thing walk across. Oh, walking Phoenix when he backs away. Man, that thing got me good. <laughs> yeah. Even on a rewatch, it still gets me. I think sounds a lot. You know what? I, Shyamalan obviously earned a lot of shit, justifiably, for later movies, but... Yeah, he got a little into his own head. But, like, I, I, like, I love Unbreakable, and Sixth Sense is great, and Signs mm-hmm. is, I think, really, really basically bordering on great as well i like signs is a movie where like even even as as an atheist i kind of love the uh the, what it does with the, the, the religious mm-hmm. uh, plot i don't want to spoil anything so i won't say anything but um because you know it's because it's, it's more about someone finding themselves again it doesn't really matter that that just happens yeah. to be religion in this case so it's you know it's, and hey it is, it is a little odd that he has such big cornfields and he doesn't Seem to ever work on his corn. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not the only movie that's ever been guilty of that as well. Like I feel, like, I feel like some some directors. Feel the dreams, it. probably. Yeah. Yeah, they love the farm setting, but they never, because at least the Kents, like they are supposed to be working farmers. Like they, they do reference working on it uh, a lot. Sure. So, yeah. but there's a lot of farmhouse movies where it's like you actually, you know, to do any farming. <laughs> Is that a thing you do? Right. Um, the way, you know, you feed your family and all. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, that's just like a, a specific example of the larger like movie TV complaint where there's tons of movies and TV shows where characters shouldn't 
realistically be able to afford to pay rent given how much time we see them not doing like you know work or earning money some other way or you know without a reason or or how certain characters have apartments that clearly cost 10 times more than they can afford uh, (laughs) and things like that you know it's a common thing we just accept but you're right (laughs) farmhouses are a specific part of that that trope (laughs) um but yeah Okay, I, mean, I guess we're talking about Cloverfield. We're talking about... We're talking about farmhouse characters. What? <laughs> I think we're done, yeah. And this is a movie set entirely in Manhattan. Like, I mean... Okay, I suppose we have to acknowledge at the end of the tape when it goes back to the original footage and it's them on Coney Island, there's, there's a small glimpse of something falling out the sky into the water just so that we know it's an alien. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, did you not notice that? No, I didn't see it. Because they're on the, uh, the, the wheel, right? And the, yeah. the camera's looking out. If you pay attention, there's like a, you can just see like something coming down and splashing in the water. It's like a great distance because obviously, given the size of this thing, either it crashes as a baby and grows over the month, or it's just really far away. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just like a, oh, we had a great day or whatever. <laughs> no, no, there's a, there's a tease in the, the the Coney Island part right at the very oh, end. Oh, that's funny. I like that. I'll look to, back. I'll go back and watch it. To explain. Just that one part. Uh, just that one part. See, that says a lot right there. You have to specify that. You're like, I'm not going to watch the whole thing again. I'll, I'll watch that one part. Well, I mean, it was an exciting... I'll just go ahead and wrap up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, can read it. you can read it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was an exciting ride. Like, honestly, watching the movie. I n- had not seen it before. I haven't don't have as much experience as you do watching found footage movies. Uh, I've seen a few, and I tend to like the ones that I've seen. Um, So, the... The, the ride was fun. Like I like I knew something big was coming, so I, I was looking for clues in the beginning and that was enjoyable. I don't hate the characters, but I do agree they all seem like very much the same. They're not too like extreme one way or the other. Like this is not, you know, colonial marines that we're following <laughs> where everybody has a unique personality and is fun. Um they're all just sort of Manhattan good looking people. Of a, the same age, with the and exception of maybe T.J. Miller, and and that's yeah, he's not good looking. Of the same <laughs> no. age. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, that's that's the the point, right? Is that they are all just kind of, oh, they're just a bunch of good looking twenty somethings who, who seem to also be really successful and all have really nice apartments. Well, I mean, the one girl we know comes from money. Does she? Oh, I, I didn't even notice that mentioned this time. Yeah, well, it starts off in the high-rise apartment in overlooking Central Park. <laughs> She's like, true. oh, it's my dad's place, and he's not home. Ah, so, true, true. And yeah. uh, Rob, of course, just became a vice president in a company in Japan, uh, which is very impressive for a dude who was uh, about 26 when this movie came out. Yeah. Vice VP president. something. <laughs> vice president of job, where he makes yeah, the money. In, in Japan, they don't let anybody in. <laughs> that's making me think of birdemic when it's like really generically just these often he comes off the the phone i got the big fish one million dollars oh all right (laughs) so what 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 do you do exactly i think you sell solar panels maybe i I don't know it's it's, it's, that joke where the the character comes home from work he's like oh a tough day at work it's like yeah what do you do (laughs) oh the business is tough oh the boss is down my neck yeah, but oh, what do you the act- clients. The clients. Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> keep talking about clients. You keep talking about, you know, uh, schedules and things. You, you, you know. Right. Well, I mean, anyway, I, although the movie did have some ups and downs, um, and I, I don't love the ending, um, 
even like before we talked about it i i do still overall like it and the scenes that really stand out i think are awesome like i the scene in the in the quarantine inside the mall was great uh when the military showed up that was just like really white knuckle tense <laughs> like awesome um every time we got a glimpse of like parts of the monster the tease like that was really enjoyable um i i do still enjoy the ride so um i'm gonna give it a seven i thought it was pretty good mm. maybe not on rewatch but first time watch it was pretty fun yeah, maybe don't rewatch it. I'll just sell your memory, I think. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I'll give it like 20 years. Mm. That's bold. Um, <laughs> Making the claim now, 20 years. Today, I will rewatch Cloverfield. And you'll be what age in 20 years? Why, do you, why is that important? <laughs> 20, I'll be 20 years older. <laughs> Keep it vague. I like it. Smart. Yeah. Uh, as not important as previously mentioned uh, I gave her age away when she's seen some movie earlier on so you can just add till current time then I don't know 20 you can work if it out if you really care I fear an ageist <laughs> so math quiz go 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 sort out anyway um, I I'm just poking fun at Tara I, I don't I, I genuinely came into this feeling one way by the end, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely lower than I used to be rating-wise on this. And I think after talking about it, I think I'm going even lower than I was when I finished watching it. I, th I think I've... when I've, As I'm talking about it, there's things, IDs I like. There's a few select scenes that I think are really well done. Um, and I don't hate the movie. I have no, like, passion against it. It's not, like, a, a passionate thing. It's just... Except for the kaiju. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I just... Just don't work that well for me. Um... And I've tried my best to diagnose what they are and, like, maybe why. Uh, and it's especially a shame because I like the, the creators involved, both the writer and the director, and on both their careers after this. Like, they went on to do great things, so. Uh, but ultimately, I don't like the monster. The characters are just blank slates, pretty much. They're just typical, you know, whatever. And then you wrap that up in the found footage bag of, you know, either tropes or what would become tropes doesn't really make much of a difference now when i watch it so i am going to rate this 5.5 okay that's where i'm lying i like how it. when i wrap up my thoughts I, I list all the positive things and you list all the negative things but if it's mostly negative things then why why would why would, why would i just have very different views on life I guess. But I don't have a lot of positive... <laughs> I list the positive things in other movies. Go back a couple of weeks ago. Listen to me wrapping up Aliens or Strange Days. I I, I was like, here's all the reasons why I'm going to give it a, a good score. Mm -hmm. But this is a middling score, so I'm giving you the reasons why it's middling. Mm. Middling. On the upside, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I hope, holds up better because I remember it being better. So I'm excited to see uh, that which we'll probably do sometime later this year, now that we've done this one. We'll, we've yeah, got a reason to come back to uh, this franchise. And given that we, we've heard in the news there's rumblings of a fourth Cloverfield movie of some kind uh, being made, it will be good to be up to date on them so that when the fourth one comes out, whatever it may be, and whatever genre it may end up being in, because they've all been different, uh, we'll see 
what it is. But uh, there you go. There's uh, our thoughts on Cloverfield. You can let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below. If you got this far into the review, put the word lion in the comments. And Tara's making a face. Do you know why I'm telling them to put the word lion? What does lion have to do with that thing? I have no idea. When the first teaser came out for this and the, you know, the head of the Statue of Liberty came down the street and there's a line where, I think, I think it actually might be T.J. Miller who yells, it's alive. Mm-hmm. And the internet was trying to decode this teaser so much and it wasn't entirely clear if he was saying alive or it's a lion. So there was a small theory for a brief amount of time <laughs> that there was a giant lion doing this. <laughs> See, that would have been better. <laughs> it would have been actually better. I agree. Or Cthulhu. Cthulhu would have been... Like, if this was actually Cthulhu, this would have, like, elevated everything so much. <laughs> like, if Cth- if I got glimpses of Cthulhu and then eventually saw him in all of his glory at the end... Mm-hmm. Like... At least two more points on that <laughs> on al- alone. Like, seriously. I have so much hype. I did I didn't glance over the trivia and it was the director who said that in the tra- in the trailer. Oh really? Yeah. The director. That's cool. Uh so 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 his line wasn't audible enough. It was it wasn't clear. People were debating what he was actually saying. Yeah. So, so fun stuff. Um so there you go. That's Cloverfield. Uh I'll tell you what's coming next time on the show. Shall we shall we see? Cuz I I don't remember off the top of my head. So I don't know either. Uh, I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, is this... Oh, we're actually doing a new movie next week. Is it the French one? We're doing the foreign film, yeah, from Netflix. Oxygen, which is the woman who wakes up in her fancy space pod and has to figure out why she's there and what's going on. So. We're actually going to do a, a Netflix movie next week. We are. And this isn't going to... Because last time we tried to do a Netflix movie, Space Sweepers... I watched half the film, and halfway through the movie, Tara messaged me saying, hey, c- can we push things, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know what the reason was at the time, but we have to push things. Um, and I basically was so disinterested in the movie that I said, well, we're changing the movie because I'm not watching this again. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no review of Space Sweepers. But we'll review this one. It's a good trailer. One day we'll go back to Space Sweepers once I've forgotten everything and I can go, go at it with fresh... Fresh eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but no time soon, dare I say. But the, the, the trailer for this was actually kind of interesting. I'm curious to see how they put it. Think buried, but like with like a sci-fi pod instead of a, you know, coffin, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Uh, so that's what's coming next week. Tara's going to pose for the thumbnail. I am. So. <laughs> okay, move the makeup. Sure. Uh, three, two, one. Pause. Nothing. I don't know what to do for these. Not, not going to look up as if it's a monster. Or, okay, uh, I'll do it. Okay, all right, all right. Three, two, one. Pause. <laughs> there you go. What a performance. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Hollywood Terra, all that middle school drama class. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> I remember my teacher once told me to pick an emotion and I picked apathetic and he said, you can't do that, Tara. You're always apathetic. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. 
<laughs> Literally anything else you could do. <laughs> oh god, that's such a snotty high school thing to do as well. It's like, uh, you know, I was just there because my friend wanted me to. She just wanted someone else to be there that she knew. Yeah, you know, that, that's the douchebag on Halloween that goes to the costume party and someone says what you dressed as and they just go, me. Mm-hmm. And then walk up. That's what that is. Oh yeah, I was way too cool for it. Yeah. I still make fun of drama club kids. Hey, I'm, 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 okay. I'm not here to defend drama club. <laughs> I, didn't say I actually did have a good time. Mm. Uh, as worth mentioning, by the time this goes up, the, uh, the newest Patreon exclusive episode... Um, will have went up. Tara's going to pimp out all the Patreon stuff in a second, but um, we did Tremors 2. We did Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Uh, it was actually April's bonus, which was a little bit late, uh, but it is up now, so all patrons at $1 and up uh, have access to that. Obviously, we did the first one as a, a regular episode a few months ago, so... Uh, if you're looking for the sequel, you'll have yeah, to be a patron. you have to be a patron. That's how, that's how this works. But good news is, you get access to all of the patron bonuses. It's all the past episodes, yeah. And Maze yeah. is still to come. And we've not even picked Maze yet. Tara says she had an idea, but I've not heard it yet. Yeah, I thought about it again today and I forgot. Damn it. <laughs> I need to start well, writing some things down. We'll keep you apprised of the situation. When, if, if Tara's uh, old lady brain can uh, figure it out <laughs> and remember what she, what she thought. I can make that joke. You can't make that okay, joke. Okay, okay. Hey, rule of threes. Stop I mentioned, being ageist. I mentioned your age once at the start, and then I brought it back again for the for the math thing. So rule of threes is is I have to pay it off with a third a third reference to it. But that's me. I'm done. That's all three. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> it's a science of humor. Okay. Can't is wait that... for your tight five for the comedy store. <laughs> Uh, I know I, I'm best on my own uh, platform. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Where I where I shine, I shine like <laughs> no one else does, uh, except maybe Tara, who's glowing with positivity because she's about to tell everyone about our wonderful Patreon. That's right. You may have already heard, but uh, if you enjoy the reviews, please check out our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/MalfestTV. And donating $1 per month will get you access to all of our bonus episodes, including sequels to movies that we've reviewed on this regular YouTube channel. So if you're looking for Tremors 2, that's where you'll find it. And that's where Tremors 3 will be next year <laughs> when we get around to reviewing that one. Next year? Uh, We're waiting that long for <laughs> Tremors 3? I'm not sure. Probably not. I don't know. Uh, but it'll definitely be there next year. I mean, that's the first statement yeah. yeah yeah we'll probably have at least three done by then if not three and four you'll also um if you donate five dollars per month you'll get access to these reviews one day early and other shows we do you get a whole week early and you get voting rights so you can vote on what we review this movie was a was a vote this was a vote yeah. yeah uh they chose poorly i don't know i think the vote was for 2000s sci-fi movies so they probably were all poor choices it was not a good decade for movies. I mean, there's good stuff in it, but yeah, I, comparing it to the decade that came after and, you know, 70s and 80s and stuff like that, yeah, sure. 2000s is a weak decade. Yeah. With a lot of trends that I didn't like. 
Hence why I'm early nineties is good. Late nineties not so much. Yeah, early to mid nineties I like. Um, I mean, Jurassic Park's there, so you gotta say it's good. Sure, but that's that's the thing. You can kind of define the nineties where it was good until Spielberg made a mediocre movie with Lost World, and then the nineties in general just kind of felt like it went downhill at that point. Too much so, CGI. So before 90s, it was ready. Ninety-seven onwards, with the obvious exception of like the Matrix and some other things. But yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. There's always exceptions. That perfect okay? movie that we reviewed. Remember the ten out of ten. There's always exceptions. There's a nine point five out of ten, or mm. a nine point seven five average between us. Nine point seven five is a great average. Come what on, what an insult! Nine point seven five is a great score. Just give it the ten. You're so close. I don't hand out tens all willy nilly, okay? I'm not going like this with the tens. I'm not, you know, splashing the tens. Only at- if they've freaking earned it, and the Wachowskis freaking earned it. They earned that ten. They earned a very, very amazing score. I'm never going to let this go. It's ridiculous. It won't be the last time. We're going to get to some other movie. I don't know how people can take you seriously. We're, we're going to get to some other movie. Uh, you're going to think it's an obvious 10, and I'm going to not agree that it's an outright 10. I'm going to be like, it's a 9. And you're going to get so mad at me. And uh, you know, listen to yourself. I hate, to, I hate to quote Paul Reiser from Aliens, but listen to yourself. Like, this is delusional. Like, arguing about a 10 and a 9, like, and the difference between them. What are we, gamers? Like, come on. We're better than this. It's... It's just so insulting. <laughs> it's so close. A 9.5. Do you know what? This was a, a slightly shorter episode, and I love that this debate, along with one or two tangents, have, have gotten us to that coveted 90-minute <laughs> experience. Good night, everyone. We're no longer in the movie. And I don't necessarily think... Because sometimes when that happens, it's because the movie's so deep and there's so many good themes that we're sitting here talking about all the facets. And it's a great, you know, in-depth discussion start to end from the movie. And then sometimes there's Cloverfield reviews where (laughs) we have this discussion at the end. Yeah. I'm just still bitter, that's all. Okay. Everyone note it down. Note it down in the ledger. Tara's Tara's better. About, it's been like, what, a month? About me giving The Matrix 9.5 out of 10. Note that down. It's controversial. Draft your tweet. Okay. That has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. You can also support us, of course. We mentioned Patreon, but you can like and subscribe. Ding the bell for notifications. All those things do help. It is how YouTube decides to promote our content out and the recommended videos when someone's watching something relevant or showing up on their recommendations in general. Uh, so please do hit the like button and all that stuff. Uh, of course, you can catch us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. Um, and I think that's about it uh, for stuff that I have to tell you. So yeah, I think we've I think we've wrapped up Cloverfield and we'll see you next time for Oxygen, the new Netflix film because we actually have to tackle some new films from time to time i i think I, i've let tara away with murder with uh just this doing classic movies and franchises and stuff like she has to experience some of that new shit streaming service movie quality that me and tim put up with a lot so well you and tim have to do the new Zack snyder movie which is getting pretty poor reviews 
he's not back from paternity leave yet, so... Well, then it'll be just you. No, it'll wait until Tim's back. I'm not doing it alone. <laughs> you guys still have to do it. So, I suspect oxygen will be better. I suspect so. <laughs> oxygen I need to live. In Zack Snyder. Enjoy, <laughs> so enjoy Army of the Dead. Thank you once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer. Add 9.5 grams of salsa. I hate you. Ha 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 ha!